The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Alright, welcome to MMA on the Rocks, episode number 19. As always, my name is Bill, and I'm joined via Skype by Jeff the Animal Wilson, back by popular demand. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing phenomenal, Bill, but how are you doing, man? You've been on that road trip for like a year now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was about, it took about um, a little under two weeks to get down here, down in uh, Clearwater, Florida, moved from New Jersey. You know, once I couldn't get tickets to UFC 205, I said, that's it. I just got to get away from New York altogether. I don't want anything to do with the the tri-state area anymore. I'm out. Yeah, I don't blame you, dude. I mean, it's loud. People are just never in a good mood. I feel like where you're at, people people are in a good mood more often than not. Yeah, yes and no. But the only problem with this area is, and Florida in general, is it's basically New Jersey transplanted into the South because <laughs> everybody who lives, everybody you talk to, they're like, where are you from? And uh, I tell them, oh, New York, New Jersey. And, and I'd say 80% of people say like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I moved here from New Jersey too. Like they started, they started building Wawa's here just to make people more comfortable. And for anyone who has never been to New Jersey... Uh, New Jerseyites or New Jerseyans are obsessed with Wawa, which is just like a gas station, like a 7-Eleven. Um, I don't see anything particularly special about it. That's because I was born and raised in New York. But I don't know. What's your take on Wawa, Jeff? Oh, dude, I love Wawa's. Anytime I can stop by and go to one, I do. And uh, here in New Jersey, um, we have a Six Flags uh, location. Yeah great adventure and it's about an yeah it's in it's about an hour from me but the cool thing is when you go down there um you know there's a wawa as soon as you get off the exit and like it's one of the last stops before six flags so i always stop by there uh so while i was you know as a new jerseyan a new jerseyite um i do really enjoy wawa's but um they're more i feel like they're more of a south jersey thing north jersey you see them every now and then yeah, well, it looks like they're becoming a South-South thing because I've seen a couple of them uh, since I moved down here. And I think my theory is that they started building them to make all the New Jersey people who moved here feel more at home and feel more comfortable. But, you know, that's just a theory. It's not based on any actual facts. Um, yeah. Which um, is fine because that's kind of the premise of this show. I <laughs> I <laughs> I give a lot of information, and I we give a lot of opinions, and they're they're never really grounded in any actual evidence. Um, but that's not our job to look that stuff up, though. Yeah, that's absolutely right because we're not experts. We just drink a lot of beer and whiskey, and we talk about fighting, and it's usually probably inaccurate. But you know that's that's the nature of the beast here on MMA on the rocks. In any case. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot going on in the MMA world, and 
I'm a little bit relieved because it there was there was so much going on for a long time. There was so much to talk about, and uh, I actually missed a week of recording an episode because I was so busy with this road trip. And you know, you gotta find Wi-Fi, and uh, you know, th- then when I got down here, I was busy moving and unpacking and and everything that goes along with that. Um, but I, I'm kind of glad there's been a little bit of a lull. I don't know how you feel about it, but it's kind of like an absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing where, don't, you know, there hasn't been some UFC cards. You know, there was supposed to be that card in the Philippines, but BJ Penn got injured and they wound up scrapping the whole card. Um, so what's your thought on, on a little bit of a, a lull in the, in the activity as far as the UFC is concerned anyway? Dude, I welcome it. Uh, there was a good eight or nine weeks of just straight fights every weekend, man. Yeah. And I guess I guess I got a little, you know, UFC'd out, I guess. Yeah. Um, so this break is is really nice. Um, you know, it's not too long. And also the fight cards that are coming up just look awesome. Yeah. And uh, and that, that card that is coming up, the, the Fight Night 98 in Mexico City, I believe, which is yep. um, Rafael dos Anjos and Tony Ferguson. The, in the yep. last episode, which I recorded two weeks ago in Knoxville, Tennessee, I was talking about it as if it was next week. And I think that's because I was just so conditioned to thinking, like, there's a UFC card every week. So I was like, yeah, next week is going to be Tony Ferguson versus RDA. And, um, yeah, it, it wasn't for, like, another three weeks. <laughs> So I was like so th- I was so thrown off by that. I I had completely dismissed the entire month of October in my mind. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, I actually thought that this fight was yes it was going to happen yesterday. So I'm in the same boat. It's like my my internal UFC clock is being thrown off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was like rushing to get down here and uh I was like already researching like where cuz I didn't have cable hooked up or anything. I was like where am I going to go to watch the watch the fight night and then i was like wait a second it's not november yet (laughs) there's still like two and a half weeks left of october um so i don't know i i guess there's been so much activity with the ufc i was getting like anxiety i was feeling like i was gonna miss something (laughs) because there there wasn't a card but um let's start with that with that card getting canceled the the it was supposed to be in uh, Manila in the Philippines, and it was going to be headlined by BJ Penn uh, fighting Ricardo Lamas. Um, it, almost kind of a relief that that fight was canceled. Now, the, the replacement, Ricardo Lamas, is still going to fight next week against Charles Oliveira. Uh, I think that's a much more interesting fight, and it actually you know, has some relevance in the division. Uh, what are your thoughts on Manila getting canceled? Uh, BJ Penn fighting again, and the new matchup between Ricardo Lamas and Charles Oliveira. Uh, well, for one, you know I love BJ Penn. Uh, he's he has just done so much for the sport. He's fought in you know this is a guy who will fight anybody anywhere anytime for he doesn't have to do it for money. Yeah, um, including a, a hotel lobby receptionist or whatever whatever it was a couple of months ago he beat up like a hotel attendant or something okay i was unaware of that not a big <laughs> fan of you know fighting civilians but um <laughs> but dude bj penny's done it all man i mean yeah. i remember this one fight where he fought um 
what's his name? Uh, oh man, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the Brazilian karate dude. Uh, he won by a crane kick knockout one time. Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about too. Why can't, I can't oh Leota Machida? Yes, yes, I totally blanked. Yeah, sorry, brain fart. Yeah, that was but, on um, uh, Rumble on the Rock, which was a really cool kind of quasi promotion, I guess. They did, I think, like five cards, and it it was all that was all done in Hawaii, I think. And there were some amazing matchups uh, on those cards. Uh, I mean, uh, you name it. Jake Shields fought on those. Anderson Silva. Um, Cabbage Carrera. I don't know if you remember Cabbage. <laughs> that guy was a fucking nope. animal. <laughs> no, I think I remember somebody named after a vegetable. Yeah, he was one of these guys. He was like a, I would equate him to like a Mark Hunt, if you want like a relevant comparison. He was one of these guys who was just like a stone head. Like he would get punched in the head repeatedly and you just couldn't knock this guy out. I mean, he took, he was like, he fought like Homer Simpson basically like he would just get punched in the head until the other guy would get tired um but he was really he was really fun to watch um i think yushin okami fought on those uh rumble on the rocks like a lot of superstars yeah. uh, bj penn obviously um i don't remember who put those together I, I would actually like to go back and watch rewatch some of those um but yeah absolutely bj penn will fight anybody anywhere anytime any weight any size i i mean he's just he's just like an all-time scrapper and i guess you never really lose that desire to compete or a lot of guys don't anyway so it's got to be tough like once you walk away from fighting everything else in your life you know it's like they said in fight club after fighting everything else in your life has the volume turned down i really think that's that's like a great analogy I and mean, you're seeing a lot of these guys you know they have to compete and that they, they want to come back and 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 compete with these younger guys and it's usually not the best idea i mean ricardo lama said you know it was a lose-lose situation for him because even if he wins you know he's he beats it yeah he beats a legend but he it's a legend who's not currently ranked right now so it how do you move somebody up in the rankings for beating someone who's not ranked? And then if he loses to BJ Penn, like, yeah, BJ is one of the greatest of all time, but again, he's not ranked currently. So you just got beat by a guy who's not even ranked. So then what happens to you? So this, it really was a lose lose for Ricardo Lamas. I mean, the only benefit for him was that he was going to be the headlining fight on this card. But other than that, um, he really didn't have anything to gain from fighting BJ Penn other than, you know, being able to say that he, that he fought a legend. So I think Charles Oliveira is a tougher matchup right now because he's younger and hungrier and more explosive. Um, but I think it's definitely more of a relevant matchup because these guys are both ranked. So, you know, one of them can move up closer to title contention after this match. Well, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% on all accounts. And uh, Charles Oliveira, I'm a fan of his. Uh, you know, he's got that slick jitsu. Um, you know, his record is pretty decent. Um, and he's ranked, you know, he's ranked number eight, like you said. 
Uh, Lamas is a little higher up in the rankings. He's ranked mm-hmm. number four. But, you know, Oliveira is a good test for him. Yeah. And I personally like Lamas too. So I would like to see him maybe get a rematch with Jose Aldo in the coming, uh, in the sure. not-so-distant future. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely an interesting matchup. Obviously, um, Charles Oliveira is coming off a really tough fight against Anthony Pettis. Um, yeah. And what a fight that was. That was Anthony Pettis's first time uh, moving down to featherweight. And, uh, you know, th- he jumped right into the shark tank against Charles Oliveira. That was really back and forth fight. I felt like Charles Oliveira was winning that fight until that third yeah. round when uh, Pettis sunk in that nasty guillotine and tapped out Oliveira, who's known for his jiu-jitsu. So that was really impressive on Anthony Pettis's part. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how this fight plays out because Lamas, obviously a very strong wrestler, but I don't know if he's going to want to take this fight to the ground because Oliveira is known to be dangerous anywhere on the ground, off his back, on top. Um, so it's definitely an interesting matchup. He may want to use his wrestling in reverse there and keep the fight yeah. standing. But, um, you know, Oliveira's no picnic on the feet either. How do you see this fight going? Um, I got to I gotta agree with you. And I, I personally think that Oliveira's got it. Um, you know, I felt like Pettis tried really hard to keep the fight standing. Yeah. But he couldn't. And, you know, yeah, he got that third-round submission, uh, the guillotine. It was really nice, really well done. But up until then, he was looking like he was in, in some deep trouble. Yeah. Charles Oliveira... Like you said, he's good off his back, on top, on your back, um, on top of you, and you know it's it's a tough matchup for anybody. So I think you're right. I think that Lamas's um, best chance is to keep it standing, because Charles Oliveira, you know, he's gone up against wrestlers before and he's done pretty well. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I, he's he's not someone you want to be with on the floor. Yeah, definitely. I think the X factor will be Lamas's wrestling. Um, I, I can't recall anybody taking him down and if they have it hasn't been easy um you know definitely a high level wrestler uh, Oliveira's is gonna have a hard time getting it to the ground i think but um you know i don't really know who would have the better stand-up in this fight i i feel like they might have you know pretty even stand-up but um we mentioned anthony pettis and he just signed what i think is going to be one of the most exciting fights potentially ever um, he signed to fight Max Holloway at UFC 206 in Toronto, which is really kind of saving that card because that card was was shaping up to be the card in between UFC 205 and UFC 207. Um, <laughs> you know, in between uh, Conor McGregor and, and Ronda Rousey, basically. Um, but I, I think this this fight definitely saves that card because... Wow, what a what a matchup! Like if you had to make like a dream, like if you could see any two guys fight, you know this might be at near the top of my list. Uh, what do you think about this fight? Hundred percent, dude. Um, I have been following Max Holloway for a while, and he's just a tough kid, man. He's got. I feel like he should have gotten a title shot already. Yeah, like, that is how good this kid is. Um, Pettis, you know he's Showtime. Like, this fight is going to be amazing. I'm more excited for this fight than seeing Cormier versus Johnson fight again. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people are in the same boat there. Um, there there hasn't been a lot of talk about 
about this 206 card for that reason. Um, you know, I think the UFC was hoping to get GSP on this card because it's in Canada. Obviously, you know, that's not working out so well because there's so many contract issues there. But this is one of the most exciting fight announcements, I think, in a while. I mean, obviously, when they announced the finalized UFC 205 card, which was just like, you know, a- any fight on that whole card could could headline at least a fight night. Um, yeah. That was awesome, but this is one of the most exciting announcements in a while. Unfortunately, it was surrounded by some bad news because Anthony Pettis had some cars set on fire in his driveway in his uh, Milwaukee home last week. So somebody apparently poured some accelerant on two of his cars, set them on fire. They spread to a third car in his driveway. Luckily, uh, first responders were able to put the fire out before it got to his house and before anybody was injured or anything like that. But, um, yeah, that's that's definitely a, a terrifying thing. You know, you're, you're worried about preparing for uh, a war, a real test in, in Max Holloway, and then you have to worry about the safety of your family and things like that. So that must have been a really horrifying experience for, for Pettis. Yeah, that's definitely scary. And we were talking a little bit about this, but I didn't know that it was like that in Milwaukee. You know? Yeah. Uh, and he was saying that uh, he's he's running out of reasons to defend staying in his hometown because apparently it's it's not the best area, at least the neighborhood in Milwaukee where he is. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, that's his home, and he's he wants to stay there. He wants to live there. That's it's his hometown. It's where he grew up. Um, you know, he's got his, his gym and his camp there, uh, Rufus sport close by. Um, but you know, you, you run into some money and I guess you got some fancy cars in your driveway maybe. And then, you know, people want to come by and, and vandalize them. But it, what's strange is that they didn't break into them or try to take anything. They just set them on fire and took off. Yeah, that's definitely a little strange. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like that is one of the crazy things about being famous or being well-known is, you know, people come looking for you. And it's not always with positive intentions. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, being a celebrity uh, of any kind is, is not all it's cracked up to be for sure. Um, you know, everybody, I think Ronda Rousey says, you know, like everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be the champion, but you have no idea, you know, what comes with it because especially nowadays with like social media, you, you just become a target. Even if you're the nicest person in the world, like it comes up time after time, like Daniel Cormier, everybody says in person, he's the nicest guy, but he just gets shit on, on social media and like, and he gets booed and like all this stuff and he doesn't understand like he wants people to like him so bad and they they just don't yeah no and on the opposite end of that like i you know someone for example i hate to bring this guy up again uh john jones yeah he's done some bad things but i'd say for the most part he's still pretty popular yeah it's it's crazy the way these things work it's it's like um you know, it's like pro wrestling, though. You know, you have guys who do bad things that are like the heel, and people love them. You know, like bad guys in pro wrestling, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, and and guys like that who 
who basically, you know, got famous by being the bad guy, you know, giving the middle yeah. finger to people and, and doing bad things. And people, <laughs> people love it. And, you know, John Jones is like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's, he's doing drugs and partying and, and banging chicks and, and, uh, you know, taking dick pills with banned substances in them and people, <laughs> and people go crazy oh, man. you know people people love shit like that people love drama and then you know on the other side of the coin there's people like daniel cormier who you know are pretty straight edge and they they're they're by the book and they're just nice friendly guys and like you know people don't want to see that because there's no drama attached to it i feel like the the most um people had gotten behind Cormier was when he had that feud with John Jones and they're, you know, they had that scuffle on the stage, you know, there's, yeah. there's drama there and it forces people to choose sides. And, you know, that's, what's going to make you popular. It's not going to make you popular to say like, please like me. And, <laughs> you know, and he, and he gets like, he gets like visibly upset when he gets booed and like, he doesn't get like, what, you know, why don't people like me? I'm a nice guy. And it's like, people don't, really respond to nice guys people respond to drama which kind of explains our current um presidential election <laughs> where we have <laughs> we have two polarizing and and basically unlikable figures that are our choices now for president and it's forcing people to choose sides and that that's the only reason that either one of them are getting any votes is because you know they're so unlikable that people are forced to choose between them and you know you're either on the far right or the far left with that one but um i, I hate to get too much into politics on this show uh <laughs> yeah, it's not but, what we're here to do william yeah sorry we're I, here uh, to entertain the masses yeah and and get drunk um but someone who is into politics chael sonnen uh recently signed with bellator and signed a fight right away to fight Tito Ortiz. So it's the bad boy versus the bad guy. Um, and I, I thought there would be some awesome trash talk coming out of this fight. But at the last Bellator event, they, they brought these two on for like a video conference. And it was like, it was like a bad WWE promo. Um, uh -oh. It was, I don't know. Did you see this? I have not. Oh man. They, it was kind of, it was bad. And, you know, Sonnen is great on his own. You know, he'll give you the sound bites and he'll promote, a, he'll promote the fuck out of a fight. I mean, he was doing Conor McGregor long before Conor McGregor came along. And, uh, oh, hell yeah. you know, he, he had, he had set all kinds of records for, for pay-per-view numbers. I think he was also the number one, um, he had the record for most t-shirts sold before Conor McGregor came along too. That's, uh kind of an interesting fact but um yeah the way that they they had them they kind of forced them to you know get on this video conference and and tito's tito's talk game was just weak i mean i guess he's been out of it for so long and i think sonnen was trying to carry it but then you know that kind of backfired a little bit too so it wound up just being it it wound up being awkward and there's got to be pressure on sonnen too because you know he kind of paved the way for guys like Conor McGregor to to, to promote fights with the trash talk and, and to be the heel and things like that. Um, so to come back after so long 
you know, being away, it's got to be tough to get back into that character because it's basically a character he plays. I mean, he's a very intelligent, very calculated guy. So it's not like he's out there just being himself. Like, he, he's playing a role when he's doing that. And I guess he just needs a little time to adapt to that character. But I, I think it's a great move by Bellator signing Chael. Yeah. And uh, I think yeah. it's, it's a great move for him, too. There's a lot of interesting fights there for him. I mean, obviously, he's not done yet. I, I don't think he was even close to retiring when he got suspended. But uh, he did his time. And now, what do you think about the actual fight against Tito Ortiz? I don't think it, it's a good matchup for, uh, for Chael Sonnen, actually. I think uh, I think Tito Ortiz is going to beat him. Really? Uh, I know Tito Ortiz, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Tito Ortiz has some considerable size on Chael Sonnen. Uh, I feel like Chael Sonnen is a very small, light heavyweight. I think he was much better at middleweight. Middleweight is his weight class. Okay, true. And um, Yeah, and I don't know if you remember... <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if you remember his fight with uh, Rashad Evans a few years back. Um. You know, Rashad Evans kind of just sat on him and pummeled him. Yeah. Uh, so, I, so I feel like you know, um, it's it's gonna. I feel like it's gonna be a long night for Jail Sunday. You remember Rashad Evans also finished Tito Ortiz though. Ah, okay. Yeah, knocked him out All in right. the second round. Um, <clears throat> part of a, a long string of losses that Tito had. Um, and here, here's another interesting fact. These two have actually competed against each other uh, in wrestling. Really? Yeah, they wrestled each other in college. Chael Sonnen pinned him in 40 seconds. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you got to remember, Bill, you can't punch people in the face when you're wrestling. That's true. So I, I feel like, you know, I feel like Tito Ortiz does have some considerable power. Uh, I feel like people forget that a lot. Yeah. Um, so, so apparently not long after this, and it, he also uh, beat him and pinned him on his birthday. And uh, <laughs> Tito actually came out and said that, that it ruined his life. But not long after that, Tito Ortiz got his shot to fight in the UFC. And apparently at that time, it was all about, you know, who you knew, much like anything else in life. So Tito got his shot to fight in the UFC and Chael Sonnen said, like, you know, I beat this guy handily in a wrestling match, you know, embarrassed him on his birthday, and this guy's getting his shot, and he's like, and I'm not. And uh, apparently a lot of that tension built up with Chael because he was training at the old Team Quest, you know, guys like Randy mm. Couture and Dan Henderson, guys like that. And right. what Chael said was, is uh, he knew where he stood in the world. You know, he knew that he could compete at the highest level in mixed martial arts because he was he was also a high level boxer. He, he thought about going to the Olympics for boxing, um, and he he was also an alternate on the Olympic wrestling team. But um, yeah. In, in any case, uh, he said that that bitterness like kind of built up over the years, and that's what kind of formed the the bad guy character. You know, it was it it was a culmination of his frustration with you know not getting his shot because he knew that he could compete at this level um i don't know this is this is a tough one because you know ortiz is in his 40s now I, he's had you know all these injuries he hasn't had a 
an impressive performance in a really long time. I mean, he did submit yeah. Alexander yeah. Slomenko, but I mean, that guy's really what, like a hundred seventy pounder. Yeah, and he was fighting up at two hundred five yeah. just because, like, they are. Or he's a he's a he's a middleweight. Um, my mistake. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I would I would really my my hope out of this is to really see like some solid fight build up. Um, that would be that would be the best thing for this. But I I don't know I don't really know how to see this fight going. I mean we haven't seen Chael in a long time, and um, you know we haven't we haven't seen Tito the Tito of old in a really long time. I mean, so. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but something else interesting in the world of Bellator is they have either just signed or they're about to sign Fedor Emelianenko. And um, rumor has it he's going to be fighting Matt Mitrione sometime early in 2017, January, February, something like that. Um, so what are your thoughts about Fedor coming over to Bellator? I think it's a great move for everybody. Yeah. I think that's a genius that is absolutely genius. I mean, Fedor is still relevant. Yeah. I mean, he's he's awesome, uh, especially after all that buildup of him signing for the UFC. So I feel like Bellator are playing their cards absolutely perfectly on this one. Yeah. Um, you know, with all the hype about uh, Fedor going to the UFC and for Bellator to just sneak in there and be like, all right, well, since they're not giving you a contract, you can come with us. Uh, I feel like it's a great move for all parties. The yeah. fans get to see Fedor uh, in a major promotion, um, at least in the States. Yeah. And, you know, Fedor gets his name out there, uh, and they're going to get people tuning in and watching. I'm definitely going to watch any card that Fedor Millionaire goes on. Yeah. I don't care if it's Bellator, UFC, Glory, Ryzen. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I mean, the guy is a, a living legend, obviously. If you, <clears throat> for anybody who remembers the, the Pride days, I mean, I'll always remember the fight against Kevin Randleman where Fedor got slammed on his neck and then came back. And it has to be like, you know, that, that at that point, I, I looked at Fedor and I was like, this guy's not human. You know? Oh, yeah. I know the way exactly he came back. About. I mean, uh, Kevin, Kevin Randleman is a, is a monster. And he picked yeah. Fedor up like over his head and slammed him on his neck, and Fedor came back to submit him, um, w- which is unreal. Like it, anybody else would be dead, but <laughs> taking oh, that yeah. slam from Kevin Randleman. So that's when oh, yeah. I looked at Fedor and I thought, you know, this guy's invincible. And if you hear some grumblings and and <laughs> and growlings behind me, that's that's my dog Bijou. She's she's on the bed behind me here. Um, I also just so if you guys are hearing anything that that's on both ends, okay, literally and metaphorically. Oh, well, how are you farting out of both ends? No, because you said he was. <laughs> I think you got some. A, a burp is just a fart that comes out of your mouth, William. I don't. I don't know about that. I, I think we need to consult a scientist on this one. You might have some gastrointestinal problems if you're farting out of your mouth. <laughs> oh, man. But in any case, um, uh, a fight where Fedor did not look invincible was definitely against 
Fabio Maldonado in his last fight where oh you know, god I remember you showing me that at your yeah. apartment and it was it was a proverbial shit show yeah I mean it was a Russian promotion with Russian referees who supposedly were instructed not to stop the fight under any circumstances and Fedor took a beating in those last two rounds I mean in that first round and uh you know probably a 10-8 round probably should have been stopped and then came back and you know I guess won the last two rounds um but yeah it did not look good for Fedor I I really think they they brought in Maldonado obviously for Fedor Fedor to demolish and uh that didn't happen uh (laughs) But so I'm glad that he came over to Bellator. I think it's a great move also. I would have preferred to see him come over as a light heavyweight um, just because of his last outing against Maldonado. And, you know, Matt Mitrione is is a tough, tough matchup for Fedor because, uh, I mean, he's, he's tough to take down and... And he hits really, really hard. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and all the credit to Fedor for even coming out in the second round of that last fight. I mean, uh, again, most people would be dead after the beating he took in that first round. So, obviously, he's, he's still tough as nails. But, uh, you know, I think later in his career, I mean, he's 40 now. We're seeing him get wobbled a little bit easier. So, uh you know, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think it's great that he comes to Bellator. I think it's a great platform for him. I think they'll build him up and promote him the right way, the way he deserves. And uh, but you know, you got to be a little concerned for him too. I, I I would really have preferred to see him come over at light heavyweight. I think there's some great matchups there. You know, you could have him take on the winner of Chael Sonnen and Tito Ortiz, and that's a huge fight. Uh, but you know heavyweight's going to be a rough go for him yeah yeah and like you said dude matt mitrione i mean he's a former professional football player he hits hard with his you know with his hands with his feet yeah and i would hate for him to shoot in on someone on a takedown because you know he was a football player he probably put so much force into those i mean it's going to be a tough fight for fedor but you know He's still Fedor Emelianenko, yeah. and you're absolutely right. The last fight didn't look so well. Uh, he is up there in years, but I would, you know, it's it because it's Fedor. I want him to do well. Yeah. But you're right, man. Uh, two really tough dudes, uh, in a really tough division. So yeah. It's it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be really interesting to watch. Yeah. The two things uh, Mitrione has going for him is he's not rattled by anybody. I mean, I've always been impressed by his demeanor in the cage. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's always super calm leading up to fights. And then even in the cage, he's so relaxed. And I think that's a big advantage for him. And then obviously, you know, he's got he's got heavy hands. But, you know, like you said, there's the Fedor. <coughs> You're right? <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to get a little sick. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, weather's changing up here. All right, don't die on me, at least until we finish the episode. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> I just got, like, a little, probably some phlegm. Oh, fuck it, whatever. Oh, all right. Well, I hope it's not fart phlegm. 
coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I, I certainly hope not. I think we just invented something here. Um, but yeah, there there is the Fedor factor, like you said. So he is still Fedor, and you know he could still pull some tricks out. Um, so there's always that. But speaking of heavyweights, uh, something else I wanted to bring up that, that came up um, during this week, Fabrizio Verdum posted an Instagram, and apparently he's very vocal about being upset with the Reebok deal because these fighters who have been around for a while, who had other sponsors and things like that, they're they're making much less money now with the with with the Reebok. Um, you know, for those who don't know, UFC fighters used to be able to have whatever sponsors they wanted, and they could wear the sponsor logos on their shorts, and they could have a banner behind them when they were being announced with the with the logos on there, and each company would pay to have those logos there. They would pay the fighters directly. Now what the UFC did is they made Reebok the exclusive sponsor of the fighters. So in the cage, all the fighters have to wear Reebok attire, and Reebok is the only sponsor they're allowed to have. Um, so a lot of these guys lost a lot of money, which is, is why George St. Pierre isn't coming back, because when he left, you know, he was sponsored by Under Armour, Gatorade, and uh, one other big company that that I can't remember right now. So his whole thing now is like, if I come back, I'm going to lose these sponsorships and I'm going to be making less money to fight than I'm making without fighting. So he still has these sponsors with Under Armour and things like that. So he's making more money now than he would if he came back to fight. And that's what's holding up GSP coming back. And uh, yeah. And uh, real quick, uh, sorry to cut you off, but uh, another big sponsor of his was Hayabusa, which mm. is a, a really uh, good fight brand. And like you said, man, um, I have never agreed with the Reebok deal. Um, so, you know, in that aspect, I don't blame George St. Pierre for not wanting to come back. I mean, he's making more money just posing for pictures than yeah. he would be, you know, fighting in the UFC. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. And um, but anyway, what did uh, what did Fabrizio Verdun post that uh, got everybody hot and bothered? So what he did was he had his he had a picture of him walking out, photoshopped, and it had the Reebok logo removed from his fight kit, and it had a Nike check on his on his <laughs> chest. And uh, uh, I'm not too well versed in Spanish, so maybe you could translate this for me. But the hashtag he used was. Chupe mi huevos Reebok. Oh, that means suck my balls Reebok. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I figured. I didn't want to jump to conclusions, <laughs> so I figured I, I'd ask someone who was fluent. But yeah, tell, told Reebok <laughs> to suck his balls and said that he's he's been loyal to Nike since he was a kid and that he wants Nike to sponsor him. So he put up a Photoshop picture of him wearing a Nike fight kit and... Uh, <laughs> told Reebok to suck his balls, and I'm surprised that there there wasn't more action brought against him. But he did. He was um, a commentator for the UFC in Spanish for the past three years. He lost that broadcasting gig, um, which you know kind of makes sense if you speak out like that, you know, so inappropriately against the main sponsor of the company. They can't really let you on TV broadcasting for the company. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, some more 
recourse from the UFC um, because yeah, <laughs> as funny as it is, I mean, you can't you can't have guys doing stuff like this because you know it still is the the sponsor like that there's a contract there there's there's legal issues you know there there's a right and a wrong way to do it and while it's hilarious telling reebok to suck your balls um (laughs) and i i fully encourage this behavior um it's not gonna be it's not gonna be most productive so um verdum kind of I, he's always been kind of an odd guy, and he he's always done like weird things. Um, but yeah, just not a smart move on his part. But you know, it, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all kind of want to say that to our bosses too, but you know, we don't because you know we're 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 pretty level headed. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, Verdum's, I feel like he's walking a fine line here. I mean, he just, uh, kicked, uh, Edmund, uh, Taverdi in, in yeah. his last fight. And now he does this. So, um, I, I wouldn't, uh, want to be his friend now, right now, if, uh, I worked in the UFC. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think he's being too smart right now. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it, drama it always does well for the fighters. So, you know, a lot of people are going to want to see, you know, Fabricio Verdum fight because of this, maybe, uh, who who wouldn't have before uh, because, you know, people are interested in drama. But he's got a big test coming up. I mean, he's fight. he has a rematch against Cain Velasquez, who, you know, is, is looking like the Cain Velasquez of old. I mean, he just destroyed Travis Brown, who Verdum had a lot of trouble with. Um so I, I think he should focus a little more on that uh, than than telling telling anybody to suck his balls. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Cain Velasquez, he was injured the first time, or at least coming off an injury of well, like a year and a half or something, the first time that he fought uh, Verdum. And you know, uh, Cain Velasquez at a hundred percent is a very very dangerous man you can just go ask junior dos santos he'll tell you the same thing yeah absolutely and i think you know i i wouldn't be surprised if the winner of this fight got a title shot uh no no matter who it is um and i think verdum versus miocic would be uh, very interesting a rematch but i think kane velasquez versus stipe miocic it is um is an awesome heavyweight championship fight what are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. They have um, they they're both good wrestlers mm-hmm. and very good boxers, but their styles are so different. Yeah, like you know they have the same the same background, but they they use them in totally different ways, which I love. Cain Velasquez, you know, he likes to grind it out. He likes to take you to the ground, and if he can, he can grind you out for five rounds. But he can also just beat the shit out of you in one round. Yeah. Um, and then you have, um, then you have Stipe Miocic, and you know he's got power. He can use his wrestling too. Uh, so it's going to be a, a really, 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 really interesting matchup. I would love to see that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so last thing, fight wise, uh, just give me your thoughts on the main event next weekend: Rafael dos Santos versus. Tony Ferguson. Now I heard some rumblings that Rafael dos Anjos left his camp and his coaches a week before um, this fight. Um, 
I, I haven't been able to confirm this at all, but you know, this is just um, kind of rumblings on Twitter, and I, I I don't really know what to make of that. You, you know, if you're gonna go off and start your own gym, and you want to part ways with your coaches, you know, fine. But a week before facing a dangerous guy like Tony Ferguson, it seems a little odd. And this came from uh, MMA News and Updates at uh, Leg Kick MMA on Twitter, uh, who who told me about this. And, and I again, I haven't been able to confirm it, but I don't know. What, what are your thoughts if he walked away from his camp a week before this fight? Uh, that's a dumbass decision, Bill. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's really, that's really the only way I can put it. Um, you know, if you want to start up, like you said, if you want to start up your own gym, that's fine. Don't do it a week before you got to fight a man as dangerous as Tony Ferguson. Uh, he's got the long arms. He's got reach. He's got good grappling that we've seen many times before. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, he is. you want to be as prepared as possible for someone like that. Yeah. Um, the, the, other, the other factor here is that, you know, RDA doesn't really seem to be phased by much. Um you know, he's he's a guy who doesn't really get into any drama, and it seems like nothing really gets in his head. So he's got that going for him, for sure. And, uh, you know, he's got that unbelievable knockout power. Um, you know, oh, yeah. take knocking out a guy like Cowboy Cerrone, who, who has a granite chin. Um, so, you know, he's he's got the, the ability to end anything with one punch. Uh, we saw Tony Ferguson get rocked badly in his last fight against Lando Venata. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of different factors to take into consideration. I think this is an awesome fight. I think whoever wins it should definitely get a title shot. Um, I see Tony Ferguson being more likely to get a title shot than RDA, just because I feel like if he wins, he's going to get on the microphone and, and cut a promo. Um, and RDA won't be able to do that. Um, so it, that that's just my prediction. If Tony Ferguson wins, I see him getting a title shot. If RDA wins, I see probably uh, Khabib getting the next title shot if he gets past Michael Johnson at UFC 205. Well, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100. Um, <clears throat> percent Now the question here, Bill, is let's assume Tony Ferguson wins. Yeah. Um, you know who does he fight for the title? Do you think he's fighting Conor McGregor, or is he fighting Eddie Alvarez? That is a very interesting question. <laughs> um, you know that that all depends on whether or not Conor's mental warfare affects Eddie Alvarez. And we saw from the last press conference that Eddie was starting to get a little bit flustered. You know, he seemed like he had some pocketed comments, but obviously. Uh, nobody can go toe to toe with McGregor when it comes to talking trash. Um, you know, he's, he's the best there is in the business right now when it comes to that. Uh, he's, he's really good at rattling guys and, and getting in their heads. I, I think Eddie needs to not play that game and not try and talk back to him and just focus on if, if Eddie Alvarez focuses on just training and, and doesn't buy into the trash talk and things like that, um, uh, skill wise uh, his skills are are better than McGregor's i mean he's if you if you take his his wrestling and his and his grit 
and his heart into consideration, he's much better. But if he lets Connor get into his head, it's going to be a rough night for him. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think you should call Eddie Alvarez and tell him that yourself. <laughs> and I, I, I think, I think you, you'd be that would be an awesome pep talk for him. I think you get him ready. Yeah, just don't just turn off everything. Don't don't watch TV. Don't go on the internet. <laughs> just he needs to do, he needs to be like Clubber Lang the the <laughs> the first time he fought Rocky, and he just needs to be like doing sit ups in the rafters in the dark. <laughs> like, <laughs> and <laughs> no, nah, don't don't have a TV. Um, no, but I think, I think it's going to be an awesome fight. And I think, uh, you know, pe- people are, a lot of people are counting Eddie Alvarez out and they shouldn't, um, because this is one of the toughest guys on the planet earth. Um, and, oh, hell yeah. Oh man. Th- this division is getting really exciting right now because th- look at all the matchups you have here. I mean, Tony Ferguson versus Eddie Alvarez would be awesome. Uh, uh, Khabib yeah. versus Eddie Alvarez would be awesome. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Conor McGregor would be awesome. Rafael dos Anjos versus Conor McGregor would be awesome. RDA versus Eddie Alvarez, the rematch would be awesome. Like there's so many matchups, and then you know you th- you throw Nate Diaz back into this mix. Um, you've got probably the most exciting division right now. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Those 155ers are looking awesome, and I agree with you 100%. All those matchups are matchups that I want to see happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So a lot of exciting things going on there. Um, so we didn't really get into much booze talks on this much booze talk on this episode, but um, if you don't mind, I'd like to recap a little bit of my road trip for you. Yeah, dude, go for it. And and don't leave out the part about the alligator that you didn't send me for Christmas. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm saving it for you. I'm, I'm making some alligator jerky on my balcony right now. I'm trying it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the, in the last episode, I was in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, from there I went to I went through um, Asheville. Actually, before Knoxville, I went to Asheville, North Carolina, where I went to some awesome breweries. There, I happened to drive past the Sierra Nevada Brewery, which. I'm sure you remember from episode nine or so we had uh, we, we were drinking yeah. some. Uh... Still very jealous that uh, <laughs> that you went. <laughs> oh man, dude! This their their brewery is awesome. It's it's a compound. It's like an estate. It's huge, and you know there's dogs running around. There's people playing games. There's they got a huge stage where they do live music and stuff like that. It was like it was like um, from The Simpsons. You remember? like duff world oh yeah 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 that's awesome <laughs> it reminded me of duff world like this was like this was in a, a an amusement park for for people like you and i who who love great craft beer and i just happened to be driving by and it was like sierra nevada brewery and i, I just got off the exit and i was like i have to go so i i um I had Bijou with me, but luckily it is a it's a dog friendly place, like a lot of places in the South are. I'm I'm noticing, uh, which is great because I get to bring Bijou everywhere that I'm drinking beer. But um, in any case, from there I went on to Nashville, Tennessee, and I was really excited to go to Nashville, and I was really disappointed <laughs> because the the main strip in Nashville, which is like Broadway, the way I summed okay. it up was if Las Vegas and New York 
had like a child together, but they were first cousins, that child would be Broadway oh. in <laughs> in in Nashville. It was very like um you know, lots of neon lights, lots of people. It was very frat bro kind of crowd. Um so I wasn't really into it, but there were there were some cool spots like on the outskirts. So if I were going to go back to Nashville, I'd want to check out you know the the outer limits where there's some really cool breweries and some really chill neighborhoods um the the 12 south district is is really chill really laid back a lot of good craft beer a lot of good barbecue down there so i would love to explore that area uh, a little bit more but you know coming from the new york city area um the the main strip in nashville is is not really anything special i mean there's live music everywhere which is kind of cool but you know the the crowd is just uh you know very very fratish you know what uh, i mean oh that's interesting considering that's the country capital of the world yeah yeah yes and no i i mean if you're a country music purist you don't really like the stuff that's coming out of nashville um you know all the all the bro country that they're that they're putting out there now like the luke bryan and and Florida Georgia Line and, and stuff like that, but it, if you're mm. like a purist, like a Wheeler Walker Jr., <laughs> as we um, are, <laughs> yeah. And if you've never heard of Wheeler Walker Jr., uh, go check him out. So this guy's story is basically he he was frustrated with the Nashville music scene and how saturated it is. So he basically put out an album that was a fuck you to the industry, and he emptied his bank account and he hired a, a professional country band to make an album for him and it's the dirtiest filthiest raunchiest most awesome country album you'll ever hear in your life um i I don't want to say much more than that because i don't want to ruin it but if you never heard wheeler walker go check him out and i I wanted to interview him when i went through nashville because i think he lives in the area but uh unfortunately he wasn't available because he's working on a new album which i'm excited for and i hope to have him on the show eventually and uh it'd be awesome if i could make that happen yeah, that would be nice. Um, so from Nashville, I went on uh, down through Alabama, and I stopped in a town called Coleman, Alabama. And uh, for those of you who follow on Instagram at MMA on the Rocks, uh, you, you saw that the spot I was staying there, which was a, a former speakeasy bar that they basically converted into an Airbnb. So it's got like a stage and and like speakers set up and stuff and I, I talked to the owner and they've, they've had some pretty epic parties in there he, he told me he was big on on mardi gras themed parties and uh it's just the kind of place where you walk in and it has a vibe like some cool shit has gone on here and uh i know i sent I, I know i sent you some pictures of this spot yeah it looked really really cool yeah like if i was if i was gonna record like an album if I had like a band or something, I would probably rent this place out for a couple of weeks and record it here. It's just like it's got that kind of vibe where you just feel creative and it it you know, definitely some cool shit has gone on there. And and Coleman's kind of an interesting town. So it was, it was a town that was inhabited um by Germans and it was so it's got like a lot of German culture, which is awesome because you know, they're big on beer and good food. Um yeah, those, those Germans know how to party, right? Um, Hell yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, they had a they had a brewery in town, which I didn't get a chance to visit, but I did get to try one of their beers, and it's called uh, Goat Island uh, Brewery. So I had their IPA, and uh, it was awesome. But I think you can only find it in that area. So if you find yourself going through Alabama, stop off in Cullman, grab yourself a pint of uh, Goat Island, and um, yeah, stay at that Airbnb for sure. Uh, it beats a Airbnb is awesome. Beats beats hotels any day, uh, and that's what I did on my whole road trip. Um, was I, I only stayed at Airbnbs, and there it's always a unique experience. You know, the, you can always find something weird or or different. You know, stay in like a treehouse or like a you know something suspended off the ground or or like a cabin. I stayed in an RV in West Virginia, so that was kind of cool. Um, from from Coleman, I went down into Florida, and uh, my first stop in Florida was in the Panhandle in Pensacola, and this is a really cool little town. Um, so again, for those of you following uh, on social media, you, you saw that like the spots that I visited down there. So spent a night in Pensacola, and um, the the first the first thing I did was was find out where to eat dinner. So I found this place, uh, Iron Restaurant. It's like a contemporary uh, Southern food, so it, it's it's like Southern comfort food, but it's got like I guess kind of a refined twist to it. And uh, if you go down there, make sure a guy named Campbell is behind the bar. Uh, this guy uh, makes some amazing drinks. He he made uh, a smoked old fashioned, which. Uh, is an old fashioned uh, is is a whiskey cocktail and uh they do it, it they kind of smoke the glass out a little bit and uh y- you know if you if you like smoky whiskeys like I do um it, it's definitely an awesome cocktail so go there ask for Campbell get the smoked old fashioned and then uh you know see what else he can create too he's he's very creative innovative uh bartender and I know this because I saw him later on that night when I went to another bar called um, Old Hickory Whiskey Bar, which is just uh, <laughs> a couple of blocks down the road. And I know I sent you pictures of this place. You go in, and yeah. it's like um, it's like you think of like the old libraries. This is what I thought when I where it's just like walls of books, except it's a wall of whiskey, and they have <laughs> so it's just an entire wall of the bar, and the bar is pretty long. The entire wall is just all whiskeys. So I mean, you could spend weeks in there and not try everything that they have going on there. So obviously, it was really, it was really difficult to decide, you know, what to have. I mean, they had, they had a wooden ladder hanging, hanging down that that slides up and down the wall, you know, so they could they could reach all these whiskeys and everything. And um, so obviously, I didn't know what to do with myself when I went in this place, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, it sounds like you were a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Oh, I definitely was. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. But luckily, uh, the bartender there, uh, his name's his name's Andy. Uh, he happens to be like a national champion bartender. So I was talking to him a little bit that about is this. Cool. Yeah, it, it was awesome. I didn't know, I didn't know that it was so involved. So they have like these competitions where you know. Th- bartenders bring like their their original cocktails and stuff like that so this guy has has won awards and um we got along great because he's also a smoky whiskey guy 
um, you know, I, I was asked, I asked him for something off the menu and, and he, he made me an awesome scotch cocktail and I'm not even a big cocktail drinker. You know, I, I'm usually a straight whiskey guy, you know, neat or on the rocks, hence the name of the show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he really did make, make an awesome cocktail. So it, you know, go in there, ask for Andy, ask him for something, ask him to get creative. I mean, he made most of the drinks on the menu anyway. Is he, He's the bar manager there. Um, but, you know, a- ask him to get creative and, and you definitely won't be disappointed. But yeah, we, we got along right off the bat because I was telling him about my favorite whiskeys, you know, one of which uh, High West Campfire, um, which is awesome. It's really really smoky whiskey and then uh he he gave me some other awesome recommendations which i've I've yet to check out but you know they're on my list of of whiskeys that i'm going to try out and definitely feature on the show and um i want to do a feature on high west campfire at some point but yeah that that was like an awesome place so if you ever find yourself in pensacola definitely go to iron restaurant and get something to drink and eat there and then make your way down to old hickory uh whiskey bar uh, so ask for Campbell and Andy in those places respectively. And actually Campbell, when he was done with his shift at, um, at iron bar at iron restaurant, rather, he showed up at the whiskey bar and him and Andy were talking about, you know, they were exchanging, uh, they were exchanging cocktail recipes and ideas. You could tell both of these guys are like really passionate bartenders. And, uh, yeah, so definitely I, more than I expected out of, uh, out of Pensacola, Florida. So Nashville was kind of the the disappointment, but Pensacola was a you know pleasant surprise because I didn't expect to you know run into like the whiskey mecca of the South. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds awesome out there. And actually, I am booking a train ticket tomorrow to see if I can head out there and join meet up with you. And uh... yeah, well, you might uh, you might want to pack heavily because you you may not. You may not come back. <laughs> so um, we finished up the road trip. <laughs> we, we finished up the road trip, and um, we, we also stopped in Homosassa Springs, which, uh, which is where all the manatees go uh, once the water gets a little cooler oh, down okay. here. Yeah, so they were just starting to come in. I saw a couple of manatees, uh, rented a pontoon boat, and took it like uh, – through the springs there and and there was a there was a couple of manatees in there it was really cool to to see them just kind of chilling around uh hanging out hanging out in the springs there and um you know the, where we stayed the airbnb we stayed in was like a tree house so it was like it, it was like a second story and uh there's just a giant tree that goes through the the back deck so you, you go out on the deck and then uh they had they had some alligators in the backyard which is you know kind of cool kind of terrifying <laughs> <laughs> i'd say more terrifying than cool <laughs> yeah there they were there were some big gators uh i mean they were we saw them feed them the next day and they 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 feed them like whole chickens whole raw chickens so they you see like they toss the gator a chicken and it they, they just like chomp through it so you know you just imagine like what they could do to your leg, but um, in any case, Homosassa Springs, another pleasant surprise, really awesome spot. Um, I would definitely go back there again. And then, by the time I got here to the Clearwater area, 
which um, for those who don't know, um, I live in the same general vicinity as Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> I, I've yet to find out where his house is, but uh, I'm going to track him down and, and ring his bell, try to get him on the show. Uh, <laughs> um, that would be awesome, bro. Yeah, so th- it turns out that this is like a mecca for craft beer down here. Uh, there's actually a brewery called Barley Mo, that's uh, M-O-W, that's about five minutes up the street from where I live. And I checked them out on Friday, and I didn't want to like it because it's so close that, you know, I could walk or, or ride my bike there. It's a, it's about, you know, maybe four miles or like a, um, you know, five-minute car ride. But uh, they, they have some phenomenal beer. And uh, I want to get a little further into it. Maybe when you come down here, we'll go there and, and record an episode from the brewery. Um, but that's just one of many breweries that are in this area. Uh, St. Petersburg is another area where they have some awesome breweries. Uh, I think there's like eight or nine of them in St. Pete, which is, you know, about 30 minutes from here. Uh, one of them I checked out was called Green Bench, and they have some really excellent beer there as well. And then uh, uh, Big Storm is another brewery that I've checked out since I've been here. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to some good beer in this area which isn't going to help my beach body, but uh, it, it's definitely, <laughs> you know, you got to make sacrifices in life. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's not that fun to have ebbs anyway. I mean, not that I would know, but it doesn't seem fun at all. I'd rather have like a stuffed crust pizza. Yeah, I've always said I'd rather keep a six-pack in the fridge. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. All right, so um, I think that about does it for this week. I mean, it's been quiet in the world of MMA, but... Uh, I think after next week we're gonna have a lot to talk about because we'll we'll have uh, we'll be able to wrap up the the fight night and break that down and then you know there's the build up to UFC 205. So you know we've had a little bit of a lull. Sorry to everybody for for missing a week here with with all my running around and and moving and unpacking and everything. But I'll be back to weekly episodes again. So. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday. Jeff, anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up? Uh, I think we covered all our bases. I think we are golden. Yeah, I think so too. So if you want to get in touch with Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. That's the best way to get a hold of him. Um, sorry for, for saying it was at animal Wilson for the longest time, but it's animal underscore Wilson. Um, and obviously if you want to get in touch with me at MMA on the rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or MMAontherocks.com. And, uh, you know, if you're digging the show, please uh, jump on iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a rating. Give some feedback. Uh, You know, let me know what you like, what you don't like, and, you know, maybe I'll take it into consideration. All right, that's all we got. Cheers. Don't don't count on it. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good Sunday, everybody. Yeah, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. (laughs)